welcome to the ganja show yes it's ganja with an h we talk about cannabis across the globe our guest for the day is mr frenchy canoli he is a master hashishan he lived in india for 8 years back in the 80s when ganja was legal in india and you could buy it at a bhang shop so let's go Hi, good evening, good morning. I'm Franchi and welcome to the Ganja show. That's great. Uh I'm I'm very excited to talk to you. Uh, honestly, I did not expect uh, you to message me on LinkedIn. I was just waiting for a, you know, a, a, the perfect opportunity to message you. Uh, <laughs> uh th- there there is so much to talk about uh, with you. And as I said, I I mean uh, learning from you would be and the best thing so many people have already learned so many great things from you but uh, let's start from uh, your experience with uh, cannabis like you described uh, how uh, did you get introduced to it uh, for me personally uh, i got introduced to it when i was uh, around 10 to 12 years old when my grandfather was drinking bhang uh, yeah you know about bhang right uh, uh in, during the holy period or uh, holy festival yeah so yeah w- what what is your story me i was 17 years old and it was the worst things you could do to yourself to your family and to your friends <laughs> my best friend it took 6 months for my best friend to find the balls to ask me if i wanted to smoke the ash he was so afraid it would break our uh, our relation so it was it's like in india it's part of your uh, of your religion even if you're not shivaist it's it's part of the whole religion in europe it was the most evil things you could do <laughs> and uh, When I was really young I I just dream of traveling all my heroes were travelers and uh, and I forget a little bit about it when I became a teenager and then when I smoked that first spliff of ash it brought back all my uh, all my childhood uh, dream and i was 17 i was really scared about social life like i didn't want i would have died in nine to five work i just couldn't <laughs> and i was just 17 so i waited until i was 18 and then i started to uh, to travel for 18 years solid 20 years basically that's all i did i never oh went back home i yeah. just traveled that that is such a young age to travel i mean uh... Uh, why like you said it was your dream to travel so i mean which were the first countries that you started traveling to around the mediterranean sea greece okay. tunisia morocco mm-hmm. and then mexico it took me a minute before going to india i didn't i didn't want to go to india mm-hmm. because i didn't like the western people coming back to india it's like you brush against a spiritual world and then you come back home it's like you're uh, you're enlightened enlightened yeah. you know I mean? <laughs> exactly uh, I, i it was really upsetting me 
Then the talk, uh, it started, you, you see how you are, you always say that you shouldn't judge before you know, la, 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 la. Yeah. Okay, let's go to India. And it was a strong cultural shock. It's like I needed three months to understand what I was seeing hmm. to be able to, uh, to fall in love with India. And I... Uh, it took me forever to go back to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, which was the first place you went to in India when you came? Did you directly go to I, Himalayas? <laughs> I arrived in Bombay and uh-huh. the first things we do we did was actually to visit the last uh, opium den of Bombay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, it was like it's it's historic. It's like not even that I like that, mm-hmm. but it was. I, I don't know. It was. Uh, it was going into India almost too uh, too strongly. Because after that, we went to the Bombay station and we took the train the following morning. Huh? Mm-hmm. We took the train to uh, Pushkar. To Pushkar, okay. Pushkar. Mm-hmm. And then in Pushkar, we settled down like uh, two weeks. That was the first time where I could like <sighs> take a breath, yeah. Start to uh, to take up a bit what what was India. You know what I mean? It's like it's uh, you have such an old culture, yeah, that is so different from us to to the music, everything. Yeah, it uh, it was a lot to absorb. And I mean, in the eighties, while you were there. Uh... India was uh, obviously different than what it is because most of the growth or modernization, let's say, westernization of India has happened during the last 20 years. So I can't even imagine what kind of India you saw because when you come back now, it would be very, very different. I cannot idea. imagine your India now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know. It was magical. India was my home for eight years, literally. I for eight art. years yeah i stayed oh i spent eight years of my life in india more or less i had a brutal childhood even if it was with given to me with a lot of love behind with no bad intention you know what mm. i mean uh society was really it it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't for me i'd suffer all my childhood and i wasn't ready to do that to my uh, adulthood so yeah. it was I was 17 years old. There was nothing in life that could interest me but traveling at that time. And mm. since I believe that I wasn't sure that I would reach 60 years old to be able to get retired and travel, mm. which I am now and there is COVID, I wouldn't be able anyway. You see what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. I, in my head, it's like I can be dead tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. I just sleep on my bathtub like some stupid accident. I'm dead. Yeah. So I'm going to work all my life for something I will never have. I don't know if I get to 60. It's like I wanted it now. And, mm-hmm. and I, that was it. I, was, I waited until I was 18 years old and I split. I left. I didn't go back for 18 years basically in France. <laughs> no, I mean, that is. Uh... I cannot imagine uh, living in those conditions in India 
like you were born in a different state uh, different uh, culture different way and uh, i also read somewhere that you stayed in a very shabby house probably a cave uh, while you were in india near tosh and different places yeah I, how first of all <laughs> why did you do that There's something in your mind was uh, asking you to do that and how were you able to do it for uh, let's assume 7 8 years how were you able to do that because that was my life that's all i wanted i wanted to be i wanted to be in places where i knew nobody and nothing because mm-hmm. that was uh, that was what made me really feel alive when when you're in a place everything is foreign the smell the noise the people the language everything the animals you name it you know what i mean yeah. and that that what that's so intense so throughout your travel in india uh in, in the 80s now you can you can definitely tell which all places had the best hash or uh, uh, i mean obviously now because of all the laws and because of so much restriction uh in the state i am in right now in uh, maharashtra that is bombay pune state uh, bhang is illegal here as well bhang is illegal i mean imagine uh so you tell me about your experience in india during those times what kind of parties you had what kind of people you met i lived with sadhu i slept in temple it's like i uh, i i i lived on the beach i uh, i just went to bond it's like uh, i don't know i uh, you take the bus and uh, you think you go somewhere and you met some people and they tell you oh but why don't you come to my place <laughs> la la so sure, yeah. why not i wasn't going nowhere yeah i had no direction i just was traveling yeah i had no the only constraint was my visa and the money i think india is the only country where uh, hash is made from hand yeah yeah so uh, and I, i i got to know about that i mean uh, just few months back and what was your experience i mean obviously i want to experience it some day and that day may come whenever but what was your experience uh, making hash like that before india so in europe it was the most heaviest stuff you could do hmm. then i made hash in uh, in a muslim country hmm. where it's it's not free it's illegal but it's part of the tradition since the 10th century it's not really well looked at but you're only a bad boy you know what i mean you're not yeah. really evil anymore yeah and you work with plants it's a bundle of dry plants there is no really relation with the plant itself it's just the resin that's it yeah and then i come to india it's actually spiritual and it was the first time that i was working with live plants and when you go high in a parvati valley and places <laughs> like that and you rub on your hand resin from wild cannabis plants that have been growing there for over 32000 years uh it's powerful and that was it's observed that i really really for hardcore in love with india like where that yeah. was the place. there were no place in the world where i would rather be than parvati malana 
for four months every year. Only the birth of my daughter broke the, <laughs> the cycle. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so the farmers uh, helped you in learning all of these things? The people in that place, did they help you I in mean, learning? Yeah. It, 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 you know, I didn't go there to learn. Yeah. I went there to make it to make it myself in the most remote place of the most remote uh, producing country because mm-hmm. I like high quality. Yeah. So if you want what I what I will smoke, well, normally it's not even for sale in producing countries. The local people smoke it. They've been smoking for generations. Yeah. So if you want it, you make it yourself. That's why I spend so much time in producing places specifically was to make my stash for the year. And while you, while I was not there to learn, I did work alongside those people and they, teach, they were teaching me why even if I wasn't really conscious of it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like I had never seen anybody rub a plant before I... Uh, before I did it, but my first flower, I waited until I was deep eye over nactong and tosh to rub <laughs> it. I didn't touch the plant okay. for three weeks until I was right there because I wanted that first one to be the one. I wanted, I don't know, the place is so special. I really wanted to make it super special that moment. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've been to Casol, uh, Casol, and it's it's so beautiful. And within that, you get to experience such an amazing thing. What do you think is the best way for someone like me to uh, first learn about the plant? Uh, obviously, you come from a side where uh, you're using the cannabis plant to first of all take a break, enjoy yourself, and relieve the stress. But there are hundreds of more uses of the plant, the hemp uh, way where you can make fiber and so many different, different things. But just the enjoying part of it, how do you think someone like me who's so uh, just starting out, what should I do now to learn more about it? First, I have to answer the question before. It's not just, I thought it was just feel good stuff. (laughs) all my life until I came to America and I realized that it's actually a medicine. And yeah. actually I have been treating myself since I'm 17 years old because I was so fucked up yeah. that, that cannabis helped me. So yeah, it, it's even if you don't know, it's like you are using the plant as a medicine. doesn't matter if you're looking only for the buzz. That buzz is what puts you in that bubble where mm. you feel good you yeah. know what i mean but you take the time to uh, to appreciate a, a little bit as mm-hmm. much as india changed my life because of the spirituality they're behind learning that cannabis was a medicine mm. man dude a i was in part. my mid-40s <laughs> yeah hello so i was i had been making ash since i was 17 years old, 17, yeah. but at the same time, in I don't know many producing country for 20 years solid, hmm. but at the same time, I was totally ignorant. Huh, yeah, obviously one thing that you mentioned was uh, in India, there's this cultural aspect to it, but uh, in I'm not sure if you know, but in Ayurveda, uh, people are using bhang as a medicine for sure. Yeah, that has I been happening for years. Yeah. 
Uh -huh. yeah. You have the cultures that go so far back in time. It's the beginning of the beginning. Yeah. The, the beginning of medicine, cannabis is everywhere. Cannabis is written down in all the first medicinal texts. Yeah. India, Egypt, uh, Assyria, China. All of them. All of them. So yeah. it's like it's been a strong, powerful medicinal plant for a long time. It's prohibition that make everybody. Yeah, it's created so many problems. Uh, I'm not sure if you know, but in India, there is a whole uh, issue going on currently where uh, all government is uh, tackling, you know, uh, getting back at all the cannabis uh, users, especially in the Bollywood industry with all the actors in India. They are getting, uh, you know, investigated because of using cannabis. And somebody even got arrest arrested because they use CBD oil which is uh, legal in Ayurveda at, to some ex extent. So even if something is legal in India right now, if it is related to cannabis, uh, there is an issue. And I'm sometimes afraid talking about cannabis and putting it out there in the open. I, I don't know what is going to happen. Yeah. Do, you, do you still have government shops? Government shops? Yeah. 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 So I could, I could my... buy opium, bong and, uh, and ganja when I was in India. At, the government at that time, yeah. In that time, you can buy. Now, we can buy only bhang at government shops. In fact, in my hometown that I was talking about, there uh, we have a lot of family friends who already uh, have some or the other business with, related to this. So in my hometown, it is legal. But uh, where I'm recording this podcast, bhang is not legal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it, it is a huge mess. I mean, like you said, um, in the mountains, it's an overlooked part. Uh, people don't try and, uh, you know, tackle all of these problems so much. But yeah, uh, one of my reasons for starting this podcast was to understand how the plant works. And uh, uh, like you said, it's just not only about feeling good. It's about all of the, those effects. Yeah. You, you treat yourself, you don't know that it's a medicine, but uh, you are treating yourself at the same time that you're, you're getting high. Yeah. Now, behind the, the spiritual part and the medicinal part, we cannot use the word medicine because it's, uh, it's taken by the big pharma, but the plant is therapeutic. Yeah. And, yeah. So the plant are, has really like, it's, it's a trinity. You have the medicinal aspect, you have the psychoactive effect, and you have the natural resource that can save the planet. So even if you don't want people to get high, you definitely want to grow it because we need that fiber and... Uh, and that uh, material to create, so you can create, you can create 23, you can work in eight different industries and create 23,000 products. Products, yeah. Products, yeah. Um, I mean, you know what I mean? This will literally change the, the world, world economy. There's so much power behind, but at the same time, people are scared just because it's a teeny bit psychoactive. It's like, what's the deal? You drink alcohol, it's so much worse. Yeah. You smoke tobacco, it's even worse too. You know what I mean? Coffee is as bad. Sugar, it's deadly. 
you don't die from cannabis so before we end this uh, i want to talk about your uh, uh, dreams of hashish uh, trailer i mean what is it about uh, what is uh, the I, i forgot the name the triangle of em- emerald something i, I forgot yeah, yeah so emerald triangle yes yeah so uh, as much as i was in love with uh, with himachal pradesh I uh, discovered a place in uh, in Northern California where the genetic, the climate, the land, the genetic, and the knowledge of the farmer create amazing quality. Hmm. And the uh, that documentary, it's a seven, uh, it's a series, a series of seven uh, documentaries. and it started i just wanted to show what uh, what ash making was um, have you seen the movie jiro dream of sushi no so it's a, it's a super nice movie about a, a, a master sushi maker and you have like slow motion of knife and like super yeah. like <laughs> i wanted something like that the wall metal and sieving and sticky resin and stuff and then i thought it's like yeah but it's like when i was traveling in india nobody cared that mm. i was making the charas what people ask me is where did you go to make that charas where is it from you know what i mean and mm. so and i made ash all my life it never been a big deal here in america it's a big deal <laughs> and because you make the ash it's uh, it's like it's yours yeah it's never been like that it's always where it come from so when i came to america it was the same it was the land the climate the genetic wasn't land race anymore hmm. it was there is a breeder behind and there is actually a farmer that dedicate a lot of time and energy to make giant plant <laughs> yeah so i in my head i became like a winemaker you know what i mean i mm. i work with cultivar and and vineyard and my relation with the farmer is uh, is like that so in the movie i needed to bring the farmer into the play like a, a, a grand chef will even harvest his own vegetable with his farmer for the Michelin restaurant and stuff. Yeah. And for me, it was important to show also the farmer. The thought that what you're creating is, obviously you're creating yourself, but it comes from the farmer who has made so much efforts to just grow the plant. And obviously you're putting your own art, you're making it the way you make it, but he created that plant and he should be awarded. And that is such a, that is something that I also aspire to as a person that uh, crediting and, you know, giving most of the benefits to the farmers, which is not happening in India. And uh, first of all, if you ever come to India, then I definitely want to meet you in person. <laughs> and, I yeah. you want to go back to, uh, to India. even especially at the at the cannabis level i want i want india to realize that charas you're the only one to make charas charas mm. is precious charas is will be part of a world trade market you don't need to do what america can do especially mm. when you don't have the mean to do it 
And when you need to hunt your genetic, you need to be able to find phenotypes that are super rare and unique to, uh, to India. Instead of bringing stuff in India, you need to clean up stuff from everybody that brought shit to you. Because, yeah. I mean, it's like cannabis, there is scientific studies that prove that cannabis has been growing in the Himalayan mountain for 32,000 years. Hmm. You know, precious that genetic is. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like uh, that's national treasure. That's that's the future of the cannabis industry in India. Yeah, you're gonna grow up, but all the all the mountain from uh, from Nepal to uh, to Kashmir, this is treasure ground of genetics that is unique that may have a lot of medicinal uh, potential to put on the table and that's like saving your uh, one of your oldest natural uh, heritage is super important for the for the people to get conscious of what you have and not looking at what the western world have oh, I, i mean i i'm not sure if you've heard my last podcast but this is exactly what indra he's a part of national seed association of india he was saying exactly the same thing exactly what you said india has a treasure india and the himalayas has a treasure second point he said was we need to take care of our own uh, germoplasm we need to take care of our own seeds before we get anything from the western world uh, sadly uh, being in this industry just talking to people i'm not a part of this industry because i'm not growing anything i'm just creating content but uh, from what i've heard uh, we are getting seeds from us we are getting seeds from italy and trying to grow them in india uh, because uh, our research is not that good uh, so i'm still not sure why is that happening but hopefully yeah. i mean this, uh, i will make somebody listen to you if they can't listen to someone from india that this is important yeah. Thank you thank you so much Frenchy I mean uh, uh listening all of those things from you it first validates all of the things that I have been hearing from certain people and uh, uh you are maybe only few of the people from the west who has been to India and other different places like you said Morocco Nepal and experienced the culture and hopefully I think uh, I don't know India comes to the cannabis scene soon I don't think it is going to come anytime soon but hopefully it does yeah you know it's 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 on schedule one and they yeah. receive money from the american government because of it so yeah. when it's on schedule here in america it's world trade baby mm. yeah for only your country can say no and they wouldn't they can't in india they definitely can't it's part of your religion and culture The only excuse is because they get money from the American government and the same every producing country in the world. <laughs> yeah. They all receive money. And they are making so much money and uh, in, I think in Ohio or somewhere in US, they are building schools and roads using all the tax money from cannabis. And there's so many positive ha- things happening, but still uh, India seems to be lost as to what they want to do. Hopefully... something great happens this podcast is talking uh, about these things and uh, uh, i can't even express my gratitude 
while talking to you i mean i'm so thankful thank you, you so much no i dear you gave me so 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 very much i wouldn't be who i am now if yeah. i didn't spend that time in india so it's like if i can give back it's uh, it's closing it's closing the circle, the circle the, yeah. 